I I was very I was very involved in the the church at the time. I was um, helping out with the worship band. I was leading a small group in the church, and I I just you know as professionally as possible, I excused myself from all of that because mm. um, I just um, I'm like I don't even know I don't even know what I believe right, you know right now, and mm-hmm. I, and and as much as as much as I knew that God had, had spoken to me of who he is, like in that moment, I really thought I was going to, I was becoming an atheist. Mm. And so I thought I was giving up on, on everything. And so, you know, and, and it's, it's not either or there's a mix there. Yeah. There's part of you that doesn't believe in God and part of you that does. Came up from all the struggle. We still in trenches. There's no tomorrow. Tighten up like some riches. See it all on my skin. It is so I'm grinning. Get happy for my own people. Moving forward now, let's get it. Let's take it back in the day. We came up from the bottom. Made it up to the top. Like we all want the lotto. We all rich in the love. Ain't got more than enough. It can spread the whole masses. Just trust me, this not a bluff. Just know you're worth it. Don't settle. We not wasting no time. But we can't get it back. Oh yeah, we gon' be fine. We move in like we on Broadway. Let us get our shine. Already conquered the past. Why there's still a divide? Break down, let's come together. Put one fist in the Hello, my friends, no and welcome back to another episode of the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn. I am your host, and this is episode number 153. And uh, today we're sitting down with my friend Ben DeLong, who wrote a great book called There's a God in My Closet. It's a book about faith evolution. It's a book about faith shifting. It's like a book about deconstruction, reconstruction, all the different kinds of things as Ben shares intimate details with us about his own faith journey. So I highly recommend if you find yourself in those, in those spaces uh, of deconstruction, reconstruction, evolving, shifting in your faith, Go get this book. Uh, it will be a very helpful uh, companion for you on your own on your own journey. I wanted to say thank you really quick before we move any further. Uh, thank you so much to those of you who donated uh, to my friend. Last week I told you about my friend uh, whose father, uh, his apartment burnt down to the ground and he lost everything. And so we started to go fund me for him because he has a job and he has insurance and things like that. But I mean, he lost his clothes. He lost, I mean, he lost everything. He's got to get a new apartment. He's got to come up with security deposits, you know, month and a half rent. He's got to buy some clothes. Uh, we have a listener who works for uh, a very big clothing department store. And uh, she actually gets a discount and she bought him a whole bunch of new clothes. One of our listeners bought him all new clothes. Uh, he went into the shopping cart, picked out what he wanted. Uh, we sent it to my to 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 our listener, and uh, we thought that the listener was gonna take. We're gonna have to like Venmo the money or something like that. But our listener was like, "Hey, I'm actually gonna buy the clothes." So she bought all of the clothes, and we set a goal to bring in fifteen hundred dollars for him. Uh, and we actually surpassed $2,000 for him. Uh, and so we just actually sent them the money this week. They are so happy, so grateful. Uh, so thank you, all of you, so much. Uh, this means the world to me. It means the world to this family. Uh, this this person is a really good friend of mine. Uh, she's been on the podcast before. 
And uh, when I heard that our father was going through this, I knew that we had to do something. And so thank you to everybody who contributed. Uh, you really made a huge, huge difference um, in this family's life. So thank you. Uh, I'm not going to go through all the different things today. Patreon, buy me a coffee. All the stuff is in the show notes if you want to support the show. Heretic Shop if you want to buy a t-shirt, something like that. Uh, special music today is from my friend Young Citizen, Y-U-N-G. He's a hip-hop artist here in Charlotte, North Carolina, doing great things in the world. Somebody who I work with at Apple. Uh, he's a very good friend of mine, a super encouraging guy. So please go look him up, download his music, share his music, leave him some ratings, some reviews on iTunes. That, that always helps the artist. Uh, young Citizen, Y-U-N-G Citizen. So all of that to say, my friends, uh, again, this is episode number 153, and it's my conversation with Ben DeLong. Enjoy. The patience paid off, now it's go time. go time. No worries all around me, I'ma get mine. Born in the Queen City, got the 4-9. Go to Green Trip, told me where the cosign. So people doubted me, that's close to me, that's their regret. When I make it, I'ma take it, all I do is rest. Remain grinding, self-care, that's when I'm at my best. A little crazy, that's when I'm at a test. Feel it too. Yeah, we riding, yeah, we rolling. All the way to the ocean, uh. I thought I told you got the sauce, yeah. I told you got the sauce. Remember, boy, got the sauce, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we riding. Yeah, we rolling. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today, we're joined by Ben DeLong, who is the author of a wonderful book called There's a God in My Closet, uh, subtitled Encountering the Love Who Embraces Our Skeletons. So, Ben, uh, thanks for taking the time to chat with me. I'm excited to connect with you. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for having me. For sure. So before we get into uh, your story, maybe tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, like the, the general stuff, like who are you? What do you do? How do you spend your days? Those kind of things. Yeah. Well, I, um, I grew up in Iowa. Um, I was there until I graduated high school. So I'm a, mm. I'm a Midwest boy. Um, I went to, ended up going to college outside of Kansas City and lived there for about 10 years and um, met my wife, Irene, in college. And we've been married for about 16 years. Mm. and um we now we live in northern california we've been here for about nine years and, that's a uh, change from iowa it is that <laughs> <laughs> is i actually uh we're we're surrounded by mountains which is beautiful but at first yeah. it kind of made me like feel claustrophobic <laughs> <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah but it's um yeah we we love it out here and my, and my wife's actually originally from the bay area so it's more home for her cool and um yeah i originally came out here to be a pastor which we'll, we'll talk about more later mm. and um, we adopted our, our first son in 2019 and he's uh, 13 now. Awesome. Um, yeah. And I'm a, I'm a huge star Wars nerd. Everybody, I, my, everybody has recognized that and it gives me star Wars shirts all the time. So I have like, <laughs> like 20 star Wars shirts. In my nice. <laughs> nice. I've never seen a star Wars movie. And when I tell That's people that, crazy. yeah, people like all of a sudden think of me very differently. <laughs> especially if they're a huge star wars fan but like i've watched some of them like pieces of them and i'm like i, I never finished a whole movie yeah you know i i say that's crazy but actually um i didn't become a star wars fan until i was like um 17 okay and and it's funny be, because of that i i didn't i didn't start watching them until after episode one came out mm. and so episode one is actually my favorite 
and everybody else hates episode one. So it's, yeah, it's I hear really people funny. trash talk that one all the time. Yeah. I mean, you say in the book also that you played baseball when you're a kid, right? In your backyard. Yeah. You oh yeah. Still in the baseball. I, you still in the baseball at all? Yeah. Um, actually my, uh, my wife and my son and I, we just started, um, there's a couple little, little league fields, like a quarter mile away from our house. So we, uh. we just started going down there and just playing around and, um, yeah, I used to, um, I used to take like a foam ball and then wrap <laughs> it in duct tape. So yep. it would give it a little, it would carry a little bit, but not break anything. So yeah, but you did break a window. You said in the book, right? I did. You I did. did. Oops. <laughs> the, the one time I didn't use that ball. <laughs> right. That was your favorite baseball team. There's a question. Oh, I'm, it's hard to say because I'm, I'm very eclectic when it comes to sports. The Yankees. Um, you love the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 I like the Yankees more now than I ever have. I'll say that. Cause I, cause I actually, I really like Aaron judge. Yeah. I, I think he's really fun to watch. Except he's um, always hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, probably the Royals are my favorite team since I, right. I lived, lived okay. out there for 10 years. And okay. of course now being in, in NorCal, I'm getting into the giants. So yes. Yeah. You have to root for the giants out there. Mm-hmm. So there's a God in my closet. This book, um, as I said before we hit record, it's it's so good. The story, your story really resonates with me. And at mm-hmm. so many points, I found myself saying like, yes, like this puts so many words on things that I haven't been mm-hmm. able to figure out how to voice uh, yeah. in my life. And so I think maybe the best thing for us to do is maybe just dive into the book. You could tell us some of your story. You know, you don't want to obviously give away the whole thing because your book is all about it but you know you grew up in a very evangelical world uh very evangelical theology you said you moved to california to be a pastor now you've evolved to this other place and so maybe just fill in some of those gaps for us some of the more meaningful pieces of your story that brought you from there uh to here sure yeah um yeah so i i grew up in the evangelical church as a pastor's kid um and my my pk 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 yep (laughs) and i uh he he was a pastor up until he retired in 2016 so Mm -hmm. basically all my life and um yeah so he was a pastor's kid and there was just um i i don't remember if i put it this way in the book but i i tell people that most of my baggage comes directly or indirectly from the church because of that um there was a lot of uh a lot of times when in the evangelical church, when it gets, sometimes it gets a little bit cult-like, I, 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 w- I wouldn't call it a cult per se, but mm-hmm. it can have some characteristics of that sometimes. And, yep. um, and, and part of that is just people being terrified um, to leave because they like, they feel so dependent on like that system. And and I, I, I feel like for a pastor's family, that's even more so mm. um, because like your very livelihood is dependent on, on what the church people think about you, especially yeah. if you're living in their house, you know, yeah. and in their parsonage. And um, so that, that was really difficult. And I, um, my, my dad very much felt that stress and he, he did, wasn't really emotionally able to handle it very well. And, and part of that, it was because of his own issues, um, his upbringing. Part of that too, was he was never equipped for that. Like that, that was never anything that they um, taught him about. Like Mm. they didn't recognize that was a really important part you know, later when, when I went to college to be a pastor, they were 
they were recognizing that more of it. Mm. Um, and so I, I've, I've very much received the message that if you don't, if you don't shape up, like you're going to ruin everything for our family. Yeah. Like, and at, you know, as like a six-year-old boy, that's, that's how I'm feeling. So it was, mm-hmm. it was really difficult. Um, and because of that, our house could be, you know, very tense from, from him feeling that stress and from the church. And, and then there's just the general message of the evangelical church and the evangelical gospel that, that you're bad and God's angry at you and you're going to go to hell and burn forever if, if you don't, you know, toe the line. Mm. Um, and somehow, you know, in, in the midst of all that crap, I, I ended up going to school to be a pastor myself. And I think <laughs> that, you know, I think um, they used to talk about the fight or flight mechanism and they've, they've added some terms to that word. Uh, I think it's fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Mm. And, and fawn is kind of where you, you just try to make everybody happy so you can survive and, mm. and, and I think that's what becoming a pastor was for me. It was my way to, to survive in that system. And so I went to college. Um, I started seminary and um, Irene and I, my wife, we got married um, after our junior year. And, and part of my story too, is that, you know, like most teenage boys, you know, I was really into girls, but mm-hmm. I was, I was into girls because for me, I felt like if I could just find one that that loved me and thought I was special that, that, that would take away the pain. Yeah. And, and so I ended up, you know, doing that and getting married to this amazing woman. And, but I still felt like crap. Mm. Um, and so that, that contributed to me, um, getting caught up in a, a porn addiction and just, um, you know, trying to find something to kind of soothe the pain that I was feeling. Mm. And, you know, because of all that, I just realized something has to change. Like I, like, this is not how I want to live my life. And, um, and so my, my sisters had gone through this spiritual formation seminar called Breakthrough um, in Kansas City. And, um, and they were just, you know, raving about it. And so I, I decided to go through it just because I was like, well, I got to do something like something mm-hmm. has to change. And, and that was just such a, you know, a divine intervention for me. Um, I, I experienced divine love there. Like, like I had never known. And, and, and that was part of my, that was part of my dilemma after that was that, well, I want to follow this love, but it feels nothing like my faith. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. which, which one am I going to choose? Yeah. And, and that was kind of like the battle for me for a little bit. Cause I, I, I took a break, um, from pursuing being a pastor for about a year. And then I, I jumped back into it feeling like, why well, I, I can, I think I can do this in a healthy way. And, but then I kind of reverted back, you know, to my comfort zone of, mm. of trying to, to make everybody happy, including God. And um, so again, I'm, I'm feeling crappy and, and cause I'm, I'm stuck in my coping mechanisms and again, something has to change. And so I started seeing a spiritual director who, who helped me, kind of um like you were saying like put words to, to what i was experiencing mm. um really and and really point me to a healthy understanding of the faith that's that's you know very faithful to what christianity was supposed to be and um started reading books on that again and eventually saw a therapist and mm. um you know all that led to a lot of healing and led to me giving up my minister's license because i i, I realized that this wasn't healthy for me. Um, 
and and I've you know just recently kind of realized, and this is another me being able to put words to it, is I think I have a lot of PTSD from my religious experiences, and just um, just being caught in that system for so long, you know, and, and having your nervous system on edge for so long um, because you feel threatened, you don't feel safe. Um, I, I think that's where a lot of that comes from. And so I'm working with my therapist and um, my psychiatrist um, that I meet with for my depression medication. And they're, they're helping me walk through that, but it's, it's really, it's really helpful to put words to it and um, to be like, yeah, this is what I'm experiencing. Um, but you know, that a, a big part of all that is I just, I see God completely different than I did before. I really, what you say about when you wanted to be a pastor and you kind of, we're going to make that your vocation. I think for me, like I was a pastor for a few years and one of the things that I struggle with so much is that, like you said, it was almost like a, I don't know, like it was like a, a bandaid almost to try and mm. get that approval. Like I felt like, yeah. you know, you're in seminary and like, what are you supposed to do <laughs> when you're in seminary? You're supposed yeah. to be a pastor, you know? So it's like, well, if I go be a pastor and I do it really well, I'll get this approval from people mm. and the yeah. congregation will approve of me. But when I got there, you know, I, I loved like preaching. I loved teaching. All that stuff was fun, but there was so many different opinions and I realized I yeah. couldn't please everybody. Yeah. And that was really, that was a really defining moment for me because like the board, everybody in the board has their opinions, the elder board, the deacon board, you got the mm. older people in the congregation who give a lot of money. They've got their opinions, mm. You've got the newer people who are looking for a place to go, but they don't know if they really want your church, but they're kind of into it, but they've got their opinions. And like, you can't make everybody <laughs> happy. Somebody's going to yeah. be ticked off with you at some point. And I said to my wife, who was my fiance at the time, I said, I, I can't do this. Like, I just, mm -hmm. I don't want to do this. It's like ripping at some kind of wound inside and I, I can't do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's, you know, self, self exploration, self awareness. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so, it's so difficult, but yep. it's so like, I, cause I, I look back and I am so unbelievably happy that I'm not a pastor anymore. Like, I'm <laughs> right? so, yeah. and who would have and thought you would have said that, right? When I know. Right? And it's like, man, <laughs> why did I subject myself to that for so long? But, <laughs> yeah. you know, it just self exploration is really difficult. Yeah. You talk about that uh, event you went to too in Kansas city where you kind of encountered this, I think I forget how you said it, but like you encountered this love that was so different from what you, mm -hmm. from what you knew. And that reminded me of when I was in, when I was in seminary, I took a class called uh, soul care and mm. I have like a lot of, mixed feelings about the the educational background that I have and just kind of like yeah. where I've come from but that particular class was a defining moment for me because we mm -hmm. had we had a, a session of like inner healing where we kind yeah. of had to we had to get in groups of people who we had been in group with for for the semester mm -hmm. we had to share with them like our life story and the mm -hmm. professor was in my group with me and they did this time of prayer where he took me back in prayer to some different events that were traumatizing to me as a child. Mm -hmm. And he showed me, he asked me to really just sit and be still and just ask Jesus like where he was at the time. And I mm -hmm. had this encounter, like you talked about, I had this encounter with love, this encounter mm -hmm. with God that was so different from the God that I had learned about 
in those mm-hmm. very walls of the seminary. And it was yeah, like this yeah. theological crisis for me. And I was like, I want everybody to know this Jesus, like this yeah. Jesus who was with me in the moments of my deepest pain, mm. crying with me, weeping with me. Like this is the Jesus I want everybody to know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that has kind of set me off on this mission with this podcast as well to talk to people like yourself who use their life to speak about that divine love as well. Mm-hmm. So it's really, really good. That's you tell, cool. you tell in the book, um, a story of when you were delivering pizza in seminary mm-hmm. and you have this experience where you told God more or less, like if you're this evil taskmaster that I've been raised to believe, then like you and I are done. <laughs> like we're like, yeah. we're finished. And yeah. you heard, you said you heard this voice, not like an audible voice, but kind of a whisper in your spirit that, I'm not like that at all. And so mm-hmm. I'm wondering uh, for, for our listeners, like what, what does the process look like for you to come to understand God in, in new ways? Because a lot of our listeners are at that point where they've told the taskmaster, like you said, like, I'm done if this is who you are. But like, what was your part in the process? Like, did you read a lot of books? And if you did, like, what books were you going after? Like, did you stop going to church? You know, did you keep going to church? Did you put down your Bible? Did you still read your Bible? Did you pray? Like, what did that, what, what did, what did Ben specifically do to kind of move the needle from where you were to here? Yeah, I, um, I, I was very, I was very involved in the, the church at the time I was, um, helping out with the worship band. I was leading a small group in the church and I, I just, you know, as professionally as possible, I excuse myself from all of that. Mm. Um, Cause I just, um, I'm like, I don't even know, I don't even know what I believe, right, you know, right now. And, mm-hmm. I, and, um, and as much as, um, as much as I knew that God had, had spoken to me of who he is, like in that moment, I really thought I was going to, I was becoming an atheist. And so I thought I was giving up on, on everything. And so, you know, and, and it's, it's not either or there's a mix there. There's part of you that doesn't believe in God and part of you that does. Mm. And, and it's like, well, how, how do I teach people about this when I don't know what I believe? And so, yeah, I, I stopped going to church for about a year, um, stopped reading my Bible. Cause it just like, um, you know, I, it was traumatizing basically because uh-huh. every time I opened it, it's like, dang it. Like, you know, like <laughs> this, is, this is not helping me. Yeah. And, um, but the, the good thing about my journey is that, you know, it started with that seminar, um, and, and there was a community of people, you know, mm. connected to that. And so I, I, I wasn't really, you know, I felt alone sometimes because mm-hmm. it was so disorienting, but I, but I had a community there and I had, um, a mentor who led that seminar and and he pointed me to some books. I, I think I really started with Baxter Kruger. Mm. Um, and, uh, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad that he's, he's kind of being, he's more known now than he was because mm. his stuff is so good. Um, and it, it really helped me, you know, see, Oh, there's, there's another way to understand this where God doesn't look like a monster, you know? And, yeah. And, um, so there, there, yeah, I read Baxter Kruger. Um, and then later on when I, when I started, um, to, to go back to that journey again, um, I read a lot of Brad Jerzak. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read, um, Paul Young. Um, I read, I read a lot of stuff on, um, 
mimetic theory, which, mm-hmm. which helped me. What is that? Kind of, um, mimetic theory is, um, it's basically this, this understanding of what the purpose that sacrifice served, um, throughout history. Um, because I, I think in, in the evangelical church, we have this concept that sacrifice started with the old Testament and that's not true at all. Like <laughs> sacrifice was around yeah. in ancient civilizations and there was a purpose for it. And it was very much to punish an innocent victim as a scapegoat to resolve, mm-hmm. um, societal conflict and um and the 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 guy who really coined that uh Rene Girard you know he I don't I don't think he was actually um I don't think he was a Christian but he he started looking at the Bible and he's like oh my gosh like the Bible is the first religious literature that takes the side of the victim mm-hmm. and and all the way up into Jesus where Jesus becomes the victim you know voluntarily and then raises to life and doesn't um, exact vengeance. And, and so all, all that, you know, is, it's pointing us to a different picture of who God is, you know, he doesn't, he's not bloodthirsty, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't require anything to forgive us, you know? And and so that, that was, that was really helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. And then just, I, I, I didn't stop praying per se, but I stopped praying the way that I had. And I, um, I, I learned about centering prayer and that was really, really helpful to where it's, you know, it's not me asking God for something. It's not me. It's not me checking off a box for the day. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's me getting in tune with what's true yeah. and, and what's always true that, that I'm always connected to God, but, but I need those practices to get back in tune with that. I love that. I love that you say too, that you put your Bible down for a while and i think that i know being raised evangelical even that alone can carry a lot of shame right because you're supposed to read your bible every day and you're supposed to have your morning devotions and that's where you find the answers that's where you hear god's voice i know for myself like you like you just said like when i i went through that the season of maybe it was like six months where i just didn't pick up my bible at all because i couldn't read it apart from the baggage that i had with it like i couldn't look at the stories of Jesus. I couldn't look at the letters of Paul and I couldn't Mm -hmm. read them apart from that narrative of believe in this or go go to hell. And so, you know, I put it away for the longest time and I felt ashamed about it. But once that cloud of shame kind of lifted and I worked through some of my things, like I picked it back up again and I've been able to begin to read it, you know, thankfully through different lens. And you you talk too about community. And I think that's, that's huge is that, you know, you often feel alone in the midst of this process but like you said you were able to find you you felt alone at times but you still had community with you to kind of walk with you through through this stuff yeah and I, and I think also um something else i'll mention is is getting connected to um early church history and mm. and i i did that through a lot of the books that i read but i yeah. but also my spiritual director helped me with that um because it it, that's sort of another tier of community where you can mm-hmm. say like, I'm, I'm not, you know, not out on a limb here by myself. Like I'm like, and, and it's funny cause you, you can say all these things that are completely orthodox and most evangelicals will tell you that's heresy. You know? yes. and, yeah. and, and, and to be able to say, well, no, it's not like I, I have, I have some authority yeah. myself, you know, so I'm not, I'm not going crazy here. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I've been reading, I've just started getting into this stuff like in the last year, like um, 
the early like early early christianity and things like mm. Bar, like bart ehrman stuff and mm. um elaine pagels and some like the gnostic stuff and like i just had no idea no idea and i was telling my wife this the other day i feel so indoctrinated because like mm. i i went through bible college seminary i got a doctorate in seminary and like i'm out of i'm out of that now and i'm learning some of this stuff that i've never heard of before like, yeah. there's so much scholarship out there and i'm like Bart Ehrman has one book called Early Christianities. And when I read that, I'm mm. like, wait, there's more than one. <laughs> you know, like I thought there was only one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I like I read this book and I'm like, holy smokes, like there's so much there. But to your point, that has made me feel less crazy because I'm yeah, like exactly a lot of my thoughts about God, the experience that I feel like I had with God in that soul care class line up very well with what a lot of these people were saying who were deemed mm-hmm. to be heretical and that brings me an odd sort of peace <laughs> yeah yeah for sure so one of the questions i get all the time and you kind of touched on this with the mimetic theory that's how you say it right mimetic mimetic theory mm-hmm. yeah yeah um and i get to, especially on easter time is like if jesus didn't die to save us from his like his angry father like if he didn't die to save me from god's anger wrath take my punishment get me to heaven and people ask me like, well, what's, what's the point of all this? And you devote yeah. like a, a section of your book, a lot of your book to sharing kind of how your thoughts about Jesus and the cross have evolved, but maybe talk specifically to the listener who's really struggling. We're recording this just after Easter uh, 2021. Maybe they're wanting to follow Jesus, but they're feeling, they're feeling drawn to Jesus, but they're feeling really repulsed by that narrative that they were raised with. So like, mm-hmm. how do you, Ben, understand Jesus and the cross these days? Yeah, and, and it's really challenging because, you know, the whole punishment, penal substitution. Ah, my skin um, just crawled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> like, like that, like, as I've heard people say, like, that is the gospel to evangelicals. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. the only understanding that you're presented with. Yeah. Um, and it's, and the problem is, it's not the only one by far, but it's all, it's also a relatively new one, you know? Mm-hmm. So, right. <laughs> um, but I, t- to me, like, part of Jesus dying on the cross for, for one, I, I don't think, I don't think um, God required that at all. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't think, you know, cause God, um, God doesn't need that to forgive. If, if he does, then he's not forgiving. That's, that's not what forgiveness is, mm. you know, and forgiveness isn't, well, if you do this for me, then I'll forgive you. That, that's not what it is. I think also that the cross is about, um, you know, well, through the cross and the, rec- the resurrection, it's, it's about Christ defeating death. Mm-hmm. And um, there is so much power in that to where um, it's, it's not that it's not that death isn't a thing anymore. It's just mm-hmm. that it, it um, it's been as the early church would say, it's been swallowed up. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it has been encompassed by life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, when, we, we die, but that's not the end of the story anymore because of what Christ has done. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's like, you know, I mean, that's enough in itself to just be able to not be afraid of death. But then it, it also, it's not just about saving us from death mm-hmm. at the end. It's also about saving us from the death that we're experiencing in ourselves right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and saving us from, from the hells that we're experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, when we talk about you know, the, the stuff that I was struggling with that so many other people do of just, you know, hating myself and 
and feeling hopeless. I mean, that that's hell. And, and part of the cross is Christ saving us from that. Um, but not, not even so much, I guess him saving us from it, but him showing us like, Hey, it doesn't have the final word. Like you, you can face it. And, and so one, one thing that I like to, to tell people is that the, Jesus didn't, he didn't bear the cross so that you don't have to, he bore the cross to show you how to do it properly. And so, um, when there, when there is baggage, when there is shame and pain festering inside of us, um, the, the cross says, let's face it, because it's not, it's not as big as it seems to be. It's, it's not going to have the final word. And, and the cross gives us um, that hope that we can face that stuff. Yeah. And, it, and it really does feel like death because a lot of times we're dying to who we thought we were. You know, I, the, the things that I call defense mechanisms now, mm-hmm. that's who I really thought I was. Yeah. You know, that, that's who I thought I was. And, and, and so there was a dying to that. And I, and, you know, I, I think there's also an example there for us, you know, not just for how, to, how we can face the, the death and the hells that we're dealing with, but, mm-hmm. but also how we can serve others as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I don't think God needed Jesus to die, but I think he probably knew that's how it was going to happen. You know, yeah. that's that it was going to lead to that end. And, um, and Jesus shows us how to handle that, you know, when we're, when we're dealing with pain and, and persecution and when we're dealing with suffering, he shows us how to handle it, that we, we, um, we don't exact vengeance, you know, yeah. we don't, um, retaliate, um, and and that that can be taken to an unhealthy extreme as well. But sure. but at the end of the day, we 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 do it from a loving purpose. We don't do it from our egos. Yeah, I've been thinking of it like when when life hangs you on the cross, whether it's the people in your life, whether it's society, whether it's culture, whether it's your church, whatever it is. Like when when you find yourself, you know, nailed to the wall, if you can find a place where you can respond with love and forgiveness like Christ did from the cross, you know, forgive, mm-hmm. forgive them and know not what they do. Like yeah. it's that there's so much power in love. I think, I think that's like the, the, the moral of the story, so to speak, is there's like so much power in love and forgiveness and peace. There's so much power in that, that it can literally raise the dead to life. Like it brings mm-hmm. about, new life. And my daughter's four. And so she's starting to ask, like, tell me the story of Jesus, you know? And Mm. so like, I really had to like, try to think about how do I explain to a four-year-old what I believe when I don't even know what I believe. I know. definitely know what I don't believe. And so how how do (laughs) I steer clear of that? That's what I've been trying to get across to her is like, you know, in Jesus, like God showed us how to live and Mm -hmm. how to love, how to be caring. And some people like that, you know, as disciples, they followed him, but a lot of people didn't like that and yeah. they got under their skin. And so they said, we got to get rid of Jesus and they put him up on the cross, but he shouted forgiveness and that forgiveness had power and rose him back to life. And, you know, now he lives inside of us to remind us how to live and how to love. And I think like, I think when you, when you think about it, like, I feel like that makes so much more sense, even, yeah. even if you look at Jesus and the way he lived his life and the things that he taught that makes so much more sense than my dad is really angry at you. Mm-hmm. So he's going to kill me so that I can take your punishment. And you have to believe that in order to go to heaven. Like, I don't see that anywhere in the scriptures. Yeah. 
So uh, kind of last, last question as we kind of um, wrap things up here in a few minutes, but um, speak for a moment and you have a pastor's heart, you know, you're not a, obviously you're not pastoring a church anymore, but that, I think that heart, when you have a, when you want to be a pastor, I feel like that heart is always, is always mm. in there. So yeah. speak for a moment to the person who they're, they're deathly afraid. You know, your, your book is called, um, there's a God in my closet. So maybe they too have stuffed God in the closet. Uh, maybe they have this monstrous image of God. They've stuffed him in there and they're deathly afraid to go in there and kind of mm -hmm. do this work. Or maybe they have opened up the door and it's just unleashed. They feel like a, a hell in their life. You know, I mean, you know, I'm sure that when you start asking questions, people in your life start looking at you kind of strange, you know, and they, they yeah, a lot of people don't yeah. like the question. So maybe talk to that person who's kind of wrestling with all of this stuff. Uh, they're a little bit afraid. Maybe they feel alone. Like what's your advice for that person if they're on the mic today? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say um, it, it's okay to stop unnecessarily traumatizing yourself. Mm. <laughs> um you know, wh whether that's reading the Bible or whether that's being in a, a certain community, it's, um, and that's one thing I talk about in the book is that, um, you know, when, when you look at the fight or flight response, that that's exactly what the evangelical gospel triggers. Mm -hmm. And when you're in that mode, you, you're not thinking straight, you're not being yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's okay to stop traumatizing yourself. It's okay to find something healthier um, and, and I would say, um, you know, I tell everybody, find a good therapist, um, that, that can help you walk through that stuff and, and find a community, um, whether that's, you know, in person, whether that's online, um, and, you know, whether that's reading books and, and it's probably all three of those, you know, a place where you know that you're not alone. And, and, and like you said, you, you know, you're not crazy Yeah. and, and, and where you can have a, a healthier place to start from and and i th i think for me you know the evangelical gospel starts with separation mm. and that that god somewhere else and you you gotta make it up and th the true christian gospel is that you know the incarnation which the evangelical totally undersells um the incarnation is teaching us that god has embraced us mm. and that's never going to change. And so our response is to become in tune with that. Mm. Um, it's not to make it happen. It's not to fix things. It's just to be in tune with what's already true. I like that. Yeah. I mean, like you said, the, the evangelical kind of theology, I guess, is that, you know, God became human and we have to, there's still a set of things we have to do in order to be embraced by God. Yeah. And I think, like you said, you said in your book so clearly too, that, you know, it's, it's about living. You, you can't escape it. Like it's, it's what's true. You can't escape what's true. Yeah. You don't have to do anything to make it true because it's already true. And that is that yeah. God in God becoming human embraced all of humanity. Yeah. So also on that note though, speak to, to the person, I guess this is like a part two of the question, but like what, what, what experiences have you had in your journey in dealing with like the criticism? Because I'm sure I imagine that, you know, in the, in your journey and kind of leaving that world and being where you are now, you've had some difficult conversations. And so I'm wondering, what would you say to the person who maybe is dealing with that right now with maybe family, maybe friends, maybe uh, fellow church people, maybe if they're in 
some kind of Bible college type situation. Maybe their classmates are looking at them kind of strange. Like what, what is your advice for that person? I, I think for me, um, I, how I dealt with criticism was that I, I subjected myself to too much of it. Mm. Um, and, and there, there's always going to be criticism, of course, but sure. I, um, I took it to heart way too much. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and because I didn't think very highly of myself, mm-hmm. um, you know, I thought, well, you know, here's this person that I look up to, you know, maybe I should listen to that, even though it sounds crappy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And so I, I, and, and that's something I'm learning, like on, on Facebook, you know, just to be like, I, you know, it's okay. There's no criticism on Facebook. Stop. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. It's, it's taken me a long time to get to this place yeah. and, and still getting there, but yeah. just like, I don't, I don't, I don't have to respond to that. Like they, you know, they can have their opinion too. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to you know, work myself up to figure out how to respond to it. Like, because chances are like, they're probably not in a place to hear it anyway. Yeah. And, um, and, and, you know, there's also a a place, there's an aspect of humility there that, Mm. you know, because it's, it's tempting to be like, well, why, you know, why are you still back there? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, like, why can't you see what I see? And, and so there's, there's that temptation to kind of be arrogant about it and you have to be careful about that. But yeah. um, You know, I, I think overall I, I have been fortunate. Like I, I didn't have a lot of the really harsh pushback and really harsh um, alienation that a lot of other people have. Um, I, I think mostly people just didn't know like how, how to, to talk to me <laughs> you know like <laughs> they, it, it just it was weird to them yeah. and 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 there were some people who you know because i was thinking these quote new things that mm-hmm. they they felt unsafe around that and i get that like when sure. when i was back there it was like can't read these certain books because they might affect me <laughs> you know they yeah. might hurt my faith and yeah yeah so i i get that Um, but I I think a lot of my difficulty with it and, and really, to be honest, a lot of my difficulty with most of life is (laughs) self-inflicted and, and, um, and it's about like, you know, like, cause I'll think, well, why, man, that person is such a jerk. And then I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm kind of doing the same thing, you know, like, like, and, 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 and why am, why am I taking it so seriously? Yeah. And, and, and that's where, you know, the, the growth and the, the seeing a therapist that's why it's so important because you just you can't you can't always see those things yeah i think to your point too i mean social media is it can be a dumpster fire and i think it's it's a place where there's really way too many voices coming at us at once and i think to your point too about you know just struggling with your own self-doubt and i've i'm in that place as well where if i let too many voices in it just awakens way too many things inside of me that it's just not, not good for me mentally or emotionally. So mm-hmm. I found it just important to like, I've got to take the reins on my social media use and at, at least if not limit the use, then limit the amount of voices I let in. And sometimes that comes yeah. with having to unfollow different things and stuff like that. Just so I, you know, am able to, to kind of just build a, a place of almost isolation where I only let so many voices in because you know you don't have to let let every voice every critic in 
and no, you have you to don't. know which voices you can trust. The people you can trust, if they have a criticism, is something yeah. that you can listen to and something that you can take to heart. But you don't have to listen to every random person that comes on. That's <laughs> something. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I, somebody said um, they're like, if you have a problem with me, call me. And if you don't have my phone number, you don't know me well enough to have a problem with me. <laughs> I like that. I love that. I might go leave that for somebody right now. When we, when we <laughs> no, that's really good. Really good. All right, man. Well, we're just about um, out of time, but this has been really helpful for me. Uh, maybe we can do it again sometime because do yeah. you have a new book coming out? Do I remember? I do. Yeah. Um, I don't have a release date yet, but yeah. um, it's a, it's a novel. Um, it has a lot to do with inner child work wow. and um, it's called Becoming Home. And yeah. the, the title is, you know, it's a, a lot is said in that title. Um, mm. It, you know, cause it's about realizing we don't find ourselves in external things, mm. um, whether it's other people or places or accomplishments. It's, it's when we do that hard inner work, we, we find that home has always been within us. Yeah. And, and so I, the, the book, you know, it's, it's for people that are looking for hope and people that have been working through stuff and they're, you know, experiencing relational difficulties and maybe just to despair about life. And they're just thinking like life shouldn't be this hard. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so excruciating mm. to, to experience that. And, and I've been there and, and I've also, you know, walked this journey to more health and wholeness, you know, I'm mm. still working on it, but I've walked this journey with a lot of support and love. And mm. so, yeah, I, I just tell people, you know, they can follow my Facebook page or they can subscribe to my website, beatalong.com. And so they can get updates um, about when the book comes up. Cause I, I think it'll really help people um, give them hope for a way forward instead of feeling mm. stuck and, and help them um, move, f- you know, from healing, feeling helpless. Cause it, it does feel like that sometimes, but mm to go to being more inspired and confident that they can move forward. Yeah. And you're doing it with Shia Sophia house, right? I am. Yeah. Yeah. That's Shia awesome. Sophia house. Um, and, uh, um, they're connected to choir as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shia Sophia house. Um, it's been a, just an amazing experience. Um, cause they're so, you know, they, they say, you know, that, that they want, they want it to be a family and they yeah. completely follow through with that. So, yeah, I'm I'm really close with Alexander, and uh, mm, he's actually yeah. helped me a lot with like inner child type stuff. So mm. that will be a good conversation because I have lots of questions about that. So uh, we'll all right, cool. Again. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. I'll put all the links to your stuff in the show notes, and uh, okay. I'll be in touch. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you. All right, man. Wishing I had no debt. Maybe then I can't flex. Go and hit a run, I'ma check. Wish I had no other sin, most beating on my chest. Wishing for my people. Uh, wish I had more better leaders. Have enough to make our own land. Name my own beach and we bring our own sand. Wherever we live is so bland. So much we're high on demand. Tiptoe around through and high lows. Feel like James Brown, love we go ahead and dance. Let me talk. At the end of the day, we know who's at a fault. We got our hands up, ready for a box. Undisputed got the own lock Champion Go ahead Call the ambulance So we said our own ambience Dub TTG Train to go Let's talk No rambling Wishing I had something foreign Wishing I had something foreign Knowing that I can afford it Knowing that I can afford it It's real love It's real love But I just ignore it It's all love It's all love But I just ignore it Wishing I had something foreign Wishing I had something foreign Knowing that I can afford it, knowing that I can afford it.
just real love, but I just ignore it. It's all love, let's all love, but I just ignore it. Wish I had red bottles on my feet. Everything falls on me. Then I start clicking my heels to the ride. Did this beat neat? Ever wanna follow my speed? Let's close those more keys. Carolina Rose on freeze. Wishing I could fly to the keys. That will be more free. Something hit my mind, hit the dough. Put on my fresh fit. Toast Sir Charles, let's go. We about to go and get it. Uh. Let me talk. At the end of the day, we know who's at the fall. We got our hands up, ready for a box. Undisputed, got the own lot. Champions. Wishing I had something foreign. Wishing I had something foreign. Knowing that I can afford it. Knowing that I can afford it. It's real love, it's real love. But I just ignore it. It's all love, it's all love. But I just ignore it. Wishing I had something foreign. Wishing I had something foreign. Knowing that I can afford it. Knowing that I can afford it. It's real love, it's real love. But I just ignore it. It's all love, it's all love.